the Flipside Podcast. On today's episode of the Flipside Podcast. Why, why that, can't I just choose to see your character? You just, you know, the, we're, we're, because you know, we go the, back to, because what about, history is showing over and over again that people don't see the you're I, I, John, you know, you're living in a utopia because people oh, don't right, see yeah. people don't see uh, you know, let's see your character. No, they see our bodies and they and and literature shows it. So I, again, you said you like to read, so I'm going to give you some reading stuff. I'm going to give you some stuff to read. We're right here, right back at it. Episode six of the Flipside Podcast. We're going to jump right back into our dynamic debate between a conservative and a liberal. Things are going to start to get heated. The dynamic between our two guests starts to heat up as they talk about more passionate topics. We are interested and really focused on the dynamics of these two people and how they disagree in a respectful way. But we're uncovering a lot. We're talking about a lot of different topics. And that's what we hope to accomplish. Difficult topics, conversations, talking about those difficult topics and what we can uncover are the insights that will hopefully bring people closer together. So let's see what happens as we continue episode six, part two of our dynamic debate between a conservative and a liberal and how they respectfully disagree. The KKK was designed on a mission of hate. Uh, of a mission of white supremacy, which our, our 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 sitting president couldn't seem to condemn last week. Oh, he's condemned them. Go ahead, Stephanie. You have twenty seconds. We he has not condemned them at all, and nor did Pence condemn them last night. And so, what we have here is an opportunity for there to be recognition that black and brown bodies have been mistreated and mishandled. And have not, I, I want to go back to your words, and you said you are a constitutional conservative, have not had the same rights and liberties that are written out in that constitution that, that you, you love, John. And so that, that's where I'll sit for right now for your, until your reply. John, you have one minute to respond on the debate topic regarding Black Lives Matter seen as a similar organization to the KKK and the idea of Black Lives Matter developing ideas around all lives matter, white lives matter, and blue lives matter. Okay, well, first off, Black lives matter to me, Asian lives matter to me, and we'll just sum it up as all lives matter. And I understand what Stephanie is saying, but what I think... I, I cannot be on board at all with the Black Lives Matter organization. They are trained Marxists, self-proclaimed. Okay, I mean, both founders have said that. There's actually three founders. Three, okay, well, two, two of the founders, Alicia and I believe Patrice, are self-proclaimed Marxist, tr 
trained um, individuals. That's number one. And but what my thing is, whenever you put yourself in a group, whether it be I'm black, I'm white, I'm gay, I'm a lesbian, I'm Asian, you're putting yourself in a group. Then when other people put you in that group, oh, you're treating me different because I'm this or I'm that. No, you put yourself in a group. How about if I, I just look at you as a human being? I don't see color. I mean, the great, the great leader, I, I don't, I don't. Then you and don't see you, me. You don't know. Then, then you don't hold, see me. Let's hold, let's hold here. John, you have 15 seconds. I'm sorry, go uh, ahead, John. Uh, uh, it's okay. Um, I base things on one of the, who I think was the greatest leaders the black community ever had, Martin Luther King, to be judged on the content of your character, not the color of your skin. But if all you want to continue is to preach about the color of your skin, no one's going to look at your character. And that's sad. We should look at one another's character. When I met Ed as an intern, I didn't see a black guy. I seen Ed Hill, great guy. When I met whoever, I seen, I didn't see an Asian person. I seen a human being and I treated them accordingly. Ed could have been a complete jerk and then I would have never talked to him again. But it wasn't because he was black. It was because he was a jerk. Nothing to do with skin color. And I think that's, you're putting a lot of emphasis on skin color. Listen, I agree. Things have to change. Nobody's saying that it's perfect. And, and conversations like this is, are, are how we're going to hopefully change them one day. But we both, both sides of the fence or every, the melting pot that we live in have to learn to accept everyone as a human and not as a black life or a white life or an Asian life. That's what I think. If I seen you on the street being mugged by a white guy, I'd step in and help you. Wouldn't, wouldn't care that you were black and he was white or if it's vice versa. That, that's, that's me. Now I can't speak for the rest of the world. I speak for me and how I raise my kids. But that's where we gotta get, we, we gotta get off on focusing on, if I just focused on white people, you would call me a racist. Let's open it up to the floor. Stephanie, your response, you both have the opportunity to be able to respond freely and openly to each other. Sure, one thing um, is I, I, wanna, I, wanna, I wanna talk about that you don't see color. And, and if you don't see color, that means you don't see me. You're seeing through me. That is part of my identity. That is who I, that is part of who I am. That is how you can understand, appreciate, respect the lens that I'm looking through. If you don't see my color, then you're, you're not invested in who I am. I am focused on, on. If, if, if all you want people to see is your color, that's very sad. I'm sorry to that, say. Why can't we just all, see that's you not for all who that you are? That's not you all can, they you, focus. That's not all that they can focus on. But if you are saying that you do not see my color, you don't see, you don't even see my character. You don't even see me as a person. You're seeing That's so me. untrue. That's so, you, well, you can't tell me well, what I say. Well, well, we'll agree to disagree on that because that is part of my identity. I'm a black woman. Okay, but so if you looked who, at me besides is, who, being white, would you know who, I'm Italian? I'm an Italian man. You know, so I mean, no I, one I, knows my identity is Italian, Ital American Italian. That's what I am. Why, why that, can't I just choose to see your character? You just, you know, the, we're, we're, because you know, we go the, back to because what about, history is showing over and over again 
that people don't see the kid. You're, I, I, John, you know, you're living in a utopia because people oh, don't right, see, yeah. people don't see, uh, you know, let's see your character. No, they see our bodies and they, and, and literature shows it. So I, again, you said you like to read. So I'm going to give you some reading stuff. I'm going to give you some stuff to read. Literature shows and data shows that our black men are adultified at, at the youngest of ages to, to project, project this male masculinian, masculinity where they have to, um, where they are, are being head of the household and all of these things that, that it's not age appropriate because of the color of their skin. No, maybe it's uh, because, because that they don't have a two-parent family. Where that's is, an assumption. Where is, that's where, an assumption. No, it's not. It's a, there's facts that that's an in assumption. the Black community, that, there is a large... That's not an assumption. That is an that's assumption. Ed, Ed, Ed himself is a full... Uh, he comes from a two-parent household. He's living in a two-parent household. I come from a right. two-parent household. I'm also in the suburbs. Ed is in the suburbs. We cannot make those blanket statements to say that Black people ultimately do not come from two parent households. And let me no. also make this 100% clear. It takes two people to lay down in that bed. And so everyone right. has two parents. Now, what we right, want to talk it takes about- two It takes two parents to raise them. And the fact is when the civil rights movement started, 20% of African-American babies were born <laughs> to single, single moms. In the same time, at the end of the civil rights movement, that number jumped to 70%. Why? John, what I think I'm I'm looking at my um calendar right now and we're in October. We're on October 8th of 2020. You got any recent right. statistics? There's a well, thousand yeah, reasons. I'm well, sure there's a thousand, I'm there's sure. a thousand reasons Are, why that could have been happening during well, let me ask you something. that year. That's the baby that's the baby boomer generation. They could have been at war. They could there's a thousand right. things that could have happened. You're gonna tell me that in the African American community mom and dad in the same household is above, I don't know, I'm going to throw, I'm making a number up, 50%. I'm not throwing numbers out up. I'm telling I'm, you I'm just that saying, we can, I'm, I'm not you're, going you're to, gonna, hypo- you're, I'm, I am not going to hypothesize on things that I don't have actual numbers for, but what I will well, tell I just you gave is, you actual numbers, but, but you don't but, like them. I gave you but, actual numbers. Well, that, John, I'm that about to say it, something now. No, I'm talking I'm, now. I'm, I'm about to talk now. I, I'm, I'm because talking. Because you have two, you have two no, people you've been on the talking. call. I'm talking. Well, well I'm speaking. I'm speaking. No, so I'm, you, I'm at the talk. beginning, we talked about how you were from the old school and you were going to let ladies go first. And now well, I let you, you, you want to exert, you want to exert and, the, and, the, uh, the aggression. But what it boils down no to aggression. is you have, you have two people on this call that come from two parent households. Right. And so and, that's and, two black people, you know, right now that that right. statistic is not working for right. you. So and what I'm strictly saying is do you want me to list how many black not, people I know that it's the other way? And look how well, and look how well I am saying, and and you turned out with with the two parent household, right? These are productive. Have you ever been arrested? Have you ever been incarcerated? John, and and there's people who come from single, and there are single, there are people who come from single parent households who also have not been arrested and have not had things. So what? So what exactly? But you're. So what exactly is your point? You will not give me. You will not sit there and say that education comes from home. It needs to be stressed by mom and dad. Mom and dad need to be prevalent in a child's household. You know what? You're, you're, you're worried with your six-year-old son 
growing up being a black man in this country. Well, let me tell you something. I run programs that teach kids how to handle the police when they come, how to have your hands on the steering wheel, how to ask to get your registration, not have an attitude. Don't bring it on yourself. Comply. And guess what? When they violate, wait, when they violate you, when they violate your civil rights, they need fight it in court. Yes, comply. 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 Yes. There's a black man sitting in his car with his girlfriend. Right. And he was in there and, and they sh- and they well, and they I'm shot about, that man to... with his girlfriend next to him. There was there was recently. I'm sure he was the, complying and Jacob, not reaching. J- Jacob was goes Jacob was Jacob Latimer Moore was was breaking up a, a fight between two girls. He he broke or whoever he's breaking up a fight with whoever. And and he went to get back in his car, and they chased him down and shot him in his back, and then and then put handcuffs on him in the hospital. Let's take a step back. Let's take a step back. Let's take a step back. Now what now? Let's take a step back. Remember, our topic is Black Lives Matter, seen as a KKK-like organization and how the development of terms like all lives matter, white lives matter, and blue lives matter. I know we're getting heated and and that's good. That's good, that's a good thing. But we need to try to center our energies and our voice around certain things, okay? Black Lives Matter is not the same. It's not in the same wavelength. It It is completely different from the KKK period. John, would you agree with that statement? Nope. What similarities do you see between Black Lives Matter and the KKK? John? Similarities? Well, burning down businesses, setting fires, um, destroying people's property. KKK was notorious for that. By the way, you know who started the KKK? They were Democrats, by the way. Stephanie. Stephanie, your response to John's remarks. The protesting, the riots, the looting, they're not all in all in the same and they're not all underneath the umbrella of Black, Black Lives Matter. There's multiple people in the streets protesting. Well, you just clumped them all together. Now there I are didn't. multiple people in the streets protesting. There's multiple people that are looting. And many of those, the protests that were held by, by people in affiliation with or in support of Black Lives Matter were peaceful protests, but we failed to- Every every office. time they were peaceful we continue, protests. We continue, every time. We continue. No, we I'm continue, asking a question. Every time we Black Lives Matter put, protest, we, it was peaceful. Every time. We continue not to put there, there, emphasis there, there, on facts the peaceful protests that have happened. I'm all about peaceful the, protest. I'm all about it. But when you go out there and you know, you know what, if you're an organization, wait, hold on. If you're an organization like Black Lives Matter and one of your members breaks a window, guess what? The organization, if they don't condemn that person and, and mm-hmm. kick them out, and if they promote that person, you're just as guilty as that person. So do just you think like that Black the, Lives Matter has membership cards? No. Do you think the Ku Klux Klan does? I, I asked, I think they had uniforms and they handed them uniforms out. Uniforms are meetings. one thing. So yeah, consider that a business, consider that a consider that your membership card. Okay. Welcome. What about what about Here's what about white, white sheets? What about white supremacies? Did you just say my white sheets? No. Because that I, I mean I take sheets, a little but, okay. All right. That was well, uh, that would be a little offensive. But you you gather what I'm saying. 
I do. When 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 the Ku Klux Klan is handing out white sheets to whomever, here it is. This is your membership card. Okay. This what about your, white? The, what about white supremacists who don't wear white sheets? That that's not what we're talking about. No, but I'm asking. Let's no, say, yes, okay, it is. That is it. The topic was is K Black Lives Matter KKK and, the, and, and white supremacy matter. and white supremacy. I didn't hear did you not white put white supremacy. Well, I, would, I mean, to be honest, I, in my own definition of white supremacy, I see the Ku Klux Klan as a white supremacist organization. So in terms, I agree. In terms of, I don't right. see what the separation would be saying the Ku Klux Klan versus white supremacy, I felt as though they were one and the same in the same way that if you're from Philadelphia, you're an Eagles fan. Right. So I don't, I don't really see the separation there. Now I'm going to take a step back. Okay. I have a lot of questions. I kind of pulled the questions back because I liked that you guys were engaging each other. We've gone a long way from Oh, we both agree on the mask and, you know, <laughs> it's okay, which is good because we Absolutely. need to uncover, stir the pot a little bit. All right. So Stephanie. Yeah. In John's response earlier in the debate, when he said he didn't see your color, his response was that he ultimately made judgments based on the character and the merits of the person that he met. Why is this bad practice? Um, Again, uh, it's not that you are looking at that, that he is looking at character, but it is ideally a bad practice because ultimately, if you do not see a person wholly, you are not seeing them, you are not understanding the lens that they come from. You are not understanding and even trying to um, give space for their experiences. And so it's important for when people see me, yes, they see my great character. They see that I'm an educated woman. They see all these things. And they also important to see my frame of reference as a black woman to understand me fully. Um, you can't look at half of a person. I'm not half of a person. I'm, I'm not coming from the same um, background or anything of, of, the, of, of another person. And so to see the whole person, you also have to see their skin. It's great that they have a great character. It's great to, to judge them on that, but that doesn't mean you neglect part of their identity. Right. John, same question, varied in a different way. So in the sense of, let's say there's a person who sees certain images of people of color, black and brown, and makes certain assumptions based on images portrayed in their lifestyle or in the media that cause them to fear, to have a sense of fear. How would you get to the point where those individuals would be able to judge a person of color based on their character when there's so many fear-based ideas and images about people of color? Well, I think we first have to shut down the media of promoting all, all you see on the media and, and whether it's the mainstream media or, or not is they, they show you black people doing this. They put you in this situation. And, it, you know, listen, there's plenty of white people out there committing crimes. Let's show it all. If we're going to show it, let's show it all. Now, again, I teach self-defense. I always tell people when you're walking down the street, people are walking towards you. Does it not based on their, their race, based on your gut feeling. If they make you nervous, cross the street. 
could be white people, black people, whatever, wherever. You, if somebody makes you nervous, cross the street. Use your gut instinct. That usually, your gut instinct is the best thing that God ever gave us because it's usually right. And if you're wrong, so what? You're, you're crossing the street and if then people get a little bit offended that you crossed, guess what? You're never going to see them again and they'll get over it. Because anytime I've ever been offended, uh, I get over it. Like it's like it doesn't, doesn't do anything to me. You have to, you have to use good judgment. It's really hard to change people's perception. It is. Someone like me, and I don't even know if you noticed that. So I went to public high school. I was the only white kid on the football team. Every kid on my football team, high school football team was black. So that's why I don't see color because I grew up two blocks out of a black neighborhood. That's how I grew up. I was friends. I walked through any neighborhood I wanted and never had an issue because I was always taught to treat people how they treat you. They treat you respectfully, you do the same. They treat you bad, you treat them bad. Or actually, my father always said, if they treat you bad, just walk away, who cares? You don't need them. Okay, Stephanie, my next question for you. In the sense of the topic when we were talking about defunding the police, yeah. the sentiments that you raised were centered around the idea that there aren't any positive or in this case, quote unquote, good cops. What would you say to the folks that would argue there are the majority of good, well-intended police officers that would lose their jobs if we in fact took measures to defund the police? Well, one, and I just wanna make a point, point of clarification that I did not say that all cops are bad. Um, nor do I, nor do I think that, but I do think that there are areas, there is a need for defunding so that the money and the resources can go to other places. And I also think that there's further, um, programming and things of that nature that can be provided to better assist some of the, um, selection of police officers. I also will say that I think, you know, I've, I've said this multiple times throughout the night is that I'm very... Um, clear not to make blanket statements and I try not to and so that's why I want to make that point of clarification. The second part of your question, what was it? What was the second part? Uh, in the sense of if we decide to defund the police, it could essentially mean the loss of jobs for the right. good police officers that are trying to be able to service their community in a positive way. Sure. So I think that in, in, if we were to defund the police, I think that part of that process um, is finding, doing some pulse checks in regards to where each police officer stands. I think there's some key questions that we can be asking. I think there's some assessments. I think there's some mental health um, things that we can be pulse checking to see where certain police officer stands. Current records, when police officers are transferred, why are they being transferred? What has happened previously? Doing our due diligence, I think will, will help solve some of these, some of these issues. And so um, obviously my goal is, my goal would not be for people who are doing the job and doing it well to lose their positions. That's not the goal. The goal is to ensure that there is equity across the system and ensuring that every neighborhood is policed the same way and to ensure that our black bodies stop dropping because they have been dropping at a increased rate that that has to stop. Thank you. John, 
when we were discussing the issue regarding Breonna Taylor's murder, you mentioned that the police had a do not knock warrant, I believe is the term. Uh, no knock warrant. No knock warrant. As an individual who carries a firearm and teaches self-defense classes, how would you respond to that type of situation if there are police officers at your door and you are a person who carries a firearm and teaches the art of self-defense? How would you have handled the situation regarding Breonna Taylor's murder differently, in a different way? How would you respond to that comment? Well, first you have to put in the circumstances. Breonna Taylor's boyfriend was a known notorious drug dealer. So he's a criminal off the bat. Me, how I would handle it is obviously they knocked first, just so you know, even though it was a no knock warrant and announced themselves. So at that point, me being a person who has no reason to have my house raided by police would comply and just stay there with my hands up and be like, you got the wrong house in my case. In the case, they had the right house, they had the right person, and he's a criminal, and he knows he's a drug dealer, and he knew, you know, I'm sure he knew he had a warrant out for his arrest, and maybe he didn't, but that that's here nor there. To get a warrant for somebody's property, you have to have probable cause. So they've had yeah, probable They weren't cause going to... there for him, though. I think that's, that's the piece. They were going well, there because they, they claimed that someone had said that there were suspicious packages being dropped off at her door. They later went back to the post office and the post office said that that was not something that we said. That's not something uh, that we reported. No, the post office wasn't dropping the packages. You're, you're absolutely okay. correct there. It was other drug dealers dropping dr drugs off. She, she was no tour. They were, her ex-boyfriend was using the address. That's who they were there for, the actual ex-boyfriend. But even her new boy, her ex-boyfriend was a drug dealer. Her new boyfriend was a drug dealer. So let's first, she has bad choice of men. Okay, that's number one. Well, number two, what, what I what I what I want to be be clear on is we're not going to victimize the victim. We're not going to make the victim the issue. I, I totally agree. But you bring not, things on yourself. Here. She, you bring things so on yourself did. by receiving packages so she, from known she drug dealers. Have eight bullets put into no. her. I, I want to be clear. No, no one deserves then, to then die. Should, but yeah, but we they shouldn't can, be going that is, down that. No, no, that. We no. We're going to go down this alleyway. road. I'll, I'll go down it every day because, because the Breonna problem Taylor is you can't accept deserve, consequences for your Breonna actions. Taylor That's a consequence that you might take. Life. That was not a consequence. That was carelessness and recklessness on the on behalf of the police department. Her that boyfriend was, shot that, police first. Who were sneaking? Are they, what are they supposed to do? Say, oh no, wait, stop! Outside of her apartment, and he was ensuring that he was protecting. His family right. that was inside uh, that in that okay. room. Brianna well, must Taylor be nice did not fantasy, to die, right? and she has not received justice as of and yet. And she, uh, there is no justice because the body cam footage, the court. Uh, what's that? <laughs> bye, John. Let's She's let's bye. take a step back. Let's that, take, that, that, like that, that, let's take a step back. The let's fact that there was eight bullets put into someone's body. And you're telling me to take a step back and say, well, let oh, me ask you a question. Police officers did what they were supposed to do. They were wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait, can wait I minute, ask you one wait, question? Wait, wait, hold on. Hold on. Stephanie, let me ask you one question. You're so upset about police killing black bodies. That's all I hear. 
Do you know that 94% of black men are killed by other black men? What what, what are you doing to fix that problem? Because 94% is a lot bigger than 1%. Right, right. What we're not going to do is try to be like, oh, black on black. Answer the question. Well, why? You don't do nothing to fix that in the community. You're only worried about 1% of black people that are killed by cops, which one person is, is too much. The fact of the matter is 95% of African-American men oh, are killed God. by black Ooh, men. So okay, okay, got, okay, so you got okay, no okay, yeah, okay, you know why, okay, John, okay, okay, black okay, on black hold, crime hold, isn't the issue. Hold on, hold yes, on, hold on, that's not, that's not, the, that's not the issue that we're hold talking about. Come no. on, you can do it. There we go. All right, all right, let's take a break. We're going to take a break, just one second. I think that we, what we have come to is what we need to reestablish is what needs to be a continued respectful conversation based right. on reality. Let's, let's, and let's, so the reality of the matter is, is that Breonna Taylor had eight bullets put into her body and she has yet to receive justice. Okay. We have Ahmaud Aubrey who was, who Hold was on. killed at gunpoint. Hold on. We have Mike Brown who was Hold killed. Hold on. Hold on. We have Trayvon Martin who was killed. We have Tamar Rice that was being killed. Hold on. It's a, we Come have on back. Sandra Come Bland that has been killed. All upstanding citizens. Come on back. Come on back. Is that sarcasm? That, is that sarcasm? That is sarcasm. Come on back. Every one of the people you're talking about, the police were called on. Come on back. That's why the um, police were called on Ahmad Aubrey. And I don't know that. At, okay. Don't make now I had to mute y'all. I had to mute y'all. Y'all going too far. I had to mute y'all. Okay. I had I I know I had to mute you both. We gotta we gotta rein it back in here. So let's take a deep breath because we're at the conclusion. So I want you to gather your thoughts. Remember, you're both strong, very educated, intelligent people. You have different views. And we're here to talk about those views. So I want you to think about what was discussed in terms of the topics. Think about the points that were made. And I'd like each of you to try and give us some takeaways that you have or something that you learned from the other side. I'm going to encourage you to keep your comments respectful so that we could virtually shake hands in the hope that conversations like these will help improve situations and move the needle forward. So I'm going to unmute you and we're going to start this last segment the way we started the first segment. And that's beginning with you, Stephanie. Hero, Stephanie. Um, I think that what we can take away from this experience is that we can agree that we need that that people need to sit down and have conversations. I think that we help move the needle forward when we when we kind of bring to the table different sides of each topic. It allows for everyone to hear and see each other's um, lenses and where they're coming from and their points of view. I believe that when there's um, additional education and there's conversation, you're able to reflect and take a step back out of your shoes, perhaps put yourself in someone else's shoes. Um, so I think that was, you know, one of the biggest takeaways from today. I also think that one of the other big takeaways is that we agree on more issues than we disagree, which is, 
which is nice to know. And we, where we do disagree, there are hot button topics that affect one side probably more so than another. Thank you. John, your thoughts on takeaways that you gained from listening to the other side of our debate. Again, I'm gonna start off by agreeing with her. We agreed on much more than I thought we would, and I'm happy that we did that. Um, on the things we disagreed upon, I think we both have passion and it both came through. And I think we both need to sit back and maybe, you know, think about what the other one said, why they're so passionate about that and why the other one is so passionate about the other side of it. Hard conversations like this, and they're hard and a lot of people don't want to have them. I was told before I went into this tonight that they're like, you know, good luck, have fun. And, you know, I'm kind of proud of you because most people wouldn't want to sit down and do this. I, I always tell everybody, I say what I say, what I believe. I'm open-minded to listen to other people come back and maybe you could change my mind and maybe you can't, but you have to be able to have these hard conversations and you have to let them get a little heated sometimes, you know? Um, and, and, and that's it. I, I do think I, can, I want to look Stephanie right in the eyes and tell her, I do think the police need to alter some of their tactics. But I also think civilians need to alter some of their tactics. And I think we would have a lot less of those problems. Thanks for listening to the Flipside Podcast. Every Thursday, we will share a new episode primed with direct conversations and interviews about topics that challenge original thoughts. You can subscribe and download the Flipside podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Most importantly, we want to hear from you. So search for the Flipside pod on Instagram to submit questions and suggest new topics. Until next time, I'm Ed Hill. And remember, conversations create change.